Well, we are continuing in our series called Discover Your Design. And uh, before I go any further, I, I think about a group of individuals that certainly are discovering your design, their design. And, and listen, we all are doing that, but there are some key moments in our life uh, where we, we tend to do that a little more than others, or we uh, hope to step into a season where we discover it a little bit more. And, you know, this year there's been so much that has looked so different uh, from Easter to services. And uh, typically, probably about three or four weeks ago, we would have taken the opportunity to honor and recognize our seniors that are graduating high school and college. And I know we have some in attendance today uh, at this service and then at, la at our last service. And, and truth is, we have some that I know would be in attendance. I know one in particular who is very involved here, but his mom also runs a nursing home. And so out of the abundance of caution, they are definitely sheltering in place, so they're not able to be here. But I want to take a minute, and I want to pray over our seniors. Massive accomplishment. Normally, it'd look different. They'd be up here on the platform, and we'd be praying for them, and high-fiving, and probably hugging, and you know all that kind of stuff. But it looks a little different this year. But how many of you know they need prayer? And I want to pray over you, you seniors that are here, proud of you, grateful for you. I just want to pray over you. So if you're at college or a high school senior, uh, just know that we recognize you and we honor you today. So let's pray over them this morning. Father, I thank you for our seniors. I thank you, those that are here today and those that would be here today. And Lord, when you think about graduating high school, you think about graduating college, what an accomplishment. And what a season of feeling as though they may have been, been maybe even cheated or robbed out of uh, what their experience should be like. But I thank you, God, that you waste nothing and that you restore. I thank you that 2020 is going to be the beginning of just an amazing year for them and the beginning of them walking in the fullness of who you've called them to be and how you designed them. And so I bless them today. I thank you for your hand upon their life. We love them. We honor them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as we uh, continue in our series, Discover Your Design, you may be joining us for the first time. And, and really, <clears throat> excuse me, when you look at what we've been talking about, we're talking about these unique gifts that God has designed us with, how, how he's really created us. And, and I think about what we're sharing and what we've been learning. I think it's so important really for where we're at right now. I think it, it's, it's really valuable because when you think about all that's going on, you think about all the conversations that are being had, it, really what this begins to do is it helps us answer a question that we all ask, and it's, what do I do? When you think about it, hopelessness begins to creep in when you don't know what to do. I, I had a conversation, and uh, a, a young man that I've known since, honestly, he was a teenager, he's got uh, a little child going through what is now on the brink of a divorce, and uh, hasn't been married long and going, he's, we're on the phone and, and literally he's going, what do I do? I don't, I don't want this to happen, but what do I do? And for all of us, we're in a season right now where you may be asking yourself, what do I do? How, how do I navigate this? And, and how do I walk through life? And how do I, what do I do as I'm discovering who I am and who God's called me to be? What do I do with all that's going on within society and the world today? What do I do? Do, do I do I respond this way or do I not respond this way to things that are happening? And so there's a lot that happens. And so here's the thing is we can have all the conversations. We can dialogue about things all day long. But until we actually know what to do so that we can create action, then all we're doing is having conversation. And I'm not just talking about what's going on within the world today. I'm talking about that's our passion and our hope for you. 
You walk in these doors and you're going, okay, I want a relationship with Jesus. I want to grow. I want to discover my design. But what do I do? I want you to open up your Bibles. First Peter chapter four. We're going to pick up in verse eight. We're going to uh, get there in just a minute. But here's what I want you to understand is that you really can't talk about gifts without talking about first Peter chapter four. And so we're going to unpack what this looks like. And we're going to talk about gifts. And, and last week uh, we got a little more technical you know, you had this grass. Some of you are wired that way. We talked about last week how you're wired, how you're designed. These created gifts. We look at we looked at Romans 12, and uh, again, this series is about discovering how God designed you, the gifts that He's given you, the spiritual gifts, the the grace gifts, or as someone called the motivational gifts, and that's what we looked at last week. And so it's real technical. There's a chart on there. People were like, "Man, thank you." I, it's funny because I see. Well, I mean, I guess it's not funny. I mean, it's kind of funny, but you're like taking picture you're trying to take pictures of it i want to be like hey don't worry we'll post it on social after so you don't have to take pictures of the screen it's probably bad quality but i get it because y'all are like that's chris it's so small there's so many words on there can you make it bigger we know we're working on it. you know we you just kind of work it and tweak it right and so we got real technical we got down into the nitty-gritty and, and understanding what does it look like and and how do we do these things and how do we work and we and i heard a lot of great feedback i, I know one in particular i was talking to a businessman this past week, and he was talking about, man, this helped me so much because I learned how I'm wired and how I'm gifted. But then I also recognized and learned the barriers to that gifting. And I started working on those things. And his kids that are teenagers are going, Dad, I, I recognize this, and I notice this, and I see this gifting in you. I see you working on it. Thank you. And that was massive for him because he is your typical, like, just business leader. He wants feedback. He wants instantaneous feedback. And now he's getting it from his teenagers, and he's getting positive feedback rather than just, like, you know, getting, you know, negative feedback from his teenagers. And he's going, this is helping me. And so it, it was something that was helpful, and, and, and that's great, and I want that for you. But what I want to do today is I really want to start really diving into something a little bit deeper. This challenge that we have when it comes in, how does our gift impact our relationships, and how do our relationships impact our gifting? You see, relationships are something you can't get away from. And, and the truth is, relationships, they're hard, they're challenging, you're always learning, it's always, you're, it's growing, and you're trying to figure it out, and, and I think for me, one of the things, like, I've learned, I, I was raised, I'm the oldest of three boys, okay, so I wasn't raised with sisters, all right, my mom tried to dress us all cute, we, we put holes in everything, we didn't know if it was good clothes, you know, Sunday clothes, and then, like, you know, get dirty clothes, we just, everything was get dirty clothes, we didn't care, you know, it was like Easter, we'd be climbing trees, she's like, what are you doing, you know, it was like, you had those, like, uh, you know, seersucker onesie, you know, things that your mom would put you in, and I'm like six, I'm like, mom, what am I wearing, these, like, stride right shoes, that was a thing back in the day, you know, some of you wiser generation, you know what stride right is, all right, and I mean, we're, like, climbing trees, we don't care, Right? It's like, just just get after it, my poor mom. We're throwing rocks at each other, you know. It's like, why did you do that? Well, I don't know. It feel like fun, you know, whatever. Well, then God saw fit for me as a man who, who you know, I'm thinking, all right, three boys. I'm the oldest of three boys. I'm going to have a lot of boys. And God said, I'm going to give you a daughter. Okay, yes, Lord. All right, uh, my next one will be a son. And then God said, right, now I'm going to give you another daughter. I'm like, okay, God, all right. Third time's a charm. Now, I'm going to give you another daughter. And now i got three little girls. You want to talk about culture shock? It ain't easy. I mean, I talk to people even now, and I tell them, I've got three little girls, nine, seven, and five. And they're like, wow, 
I'm like, is it really that crazy? I mean, I guess it is kind of crazy. And my girls, to th- this past week, in fact, I said something, never a dull moment. They're like, like daddy always says, because that's basically what I say when people tell me and respond to me about having three girls. You know, I am a minority in a sorority. That's basically what it is all day, every day. Okay? And so I'm thinking, all right, we're going to throw the football and baseball. And not that girls can't throw footballs and baseballs, okay? I'm not saying that. But my girls don't necessarily throw footballs and baseballs. They're like, Dad, can we paint your fingernails? Dad, can we play with this dog? Can we do that? Can we do that? I'm like, okay, yes. And they want to have conversations. It's a good thing I like to talk because they like to talk. And they just talk and talk and talk. And so it's hard. It's challenging. You see, relationships take work. And when you think about the challenges of relationships, the truth is, even as you're going through all this, you may have been here for all of these messages and you're going, Pastor Chris, okay, I've heard all of these messages. I still don't know what my gift is. I still don't know how God wired me. Can I tell you something? It's okay. You're in good company. That's more of the norm to really not know what your gift is just yet. But this is what I want you to get. Here's what I hope to help answer for you, or at least help you take another step. Perhaps it's this. I really want you, the theme is this. I want you to understand and kind of grasp that perhaps discovering your design is more about, a real, it's more relational than it is technical. We like the technical aspect. We like the test. We like all those things. But the challenges you feel in relationship, the challenges of knowing how to exercise your gift, The challenges of knowing how someone else is gifted, because that's the other benefit of this. You're not just learning how you're wired. You're learning how someone else is wired. You're learning how to give grace and receive grace. You're learning how to operate in it and and, and learning how someone else operates in the gift in which they're wired. I shared that with you last week and the difference between Wendy and I and how uniquely different we are. And yet it's a gift to one another. And so there's this challenge that comes because see, when you think about it, we're such in a season where things are so uncertain. You think about your job. I talked about it earlier, the uncertainty of work. And you're going, what does work look like now? I was just talking to a young man, uh, a young leader, business leader at the first service, and he'd been on furlough. I said, how's it going? He said, actually, my furlough got extended. There's uncertainty. What does my job look like? What does it look like moving forward? Am I going to have a job? Did I lose my job? Am I going to lose my job? What does this look like? The pressures and the reality of what things are, how things are working. I think of Marcus Buckingham who did a lot with strength finders when it comes to personality and strengths test. And he actually said only 15% of individuals actually are engaged at work, like really engaged in, in seeing something happen. And the, the truth is, this is because there's this narrative, this American narrative that like, if I discover my gift and I get the right job and everything lines up and everyone recognizes how I'm wired and gifted and everything works around me, then I'm going to be fulfilled. It doesn't work out that way. That's not reality. The truth is you have to work hard in relationships and discovering your gift and finding out how that plays out at home, at work, in relationships. And you got to work on it. It takes time. It takes energy. And what happens is when there's uncertainty, here's what tends to rise when uncertainty rises. Fear and anxiety. And when fear and anxiety rises, what begins to happen? Pressure rises. Well, can I tell you something about pressure? Pressure never causes anything. Pressure only reveals. And what happens is when pressure rises, where's the friction begin to happen? You begin to see the friction in your relationships. And so what happens is people start going, man, all of a sudden, it wasn't all of a sudden. 
The pressure just revealed what has always been there. And so what we have to do is begin to recognize those things and begin to work on them and grow in them. Because here's what I want us to get and understand is that what God is doing in helping you discover your design is more about what God's wanting to do in you than about you being, to, uh, being able to exercise your gift for God. You see, we see discover your design thing. Okay, this is about me finding out how I'm wired so I can do great things for God. And whether we consciously or subconsciously realize that, it's really then more about us. We don't even realize that. It's about us and using our gift to possibly be recognized or noticed or be applauded. Way to go. That's not why God gave you that gift. Remember, your gift is to bring glory to him and to serve other people. And that's what we're going to look at in 1 Peter chapter 4. How do we get there? Because when, there's the, when the pressure's on, the people that are really doing well in this season are the people that are relationally healthy. Can I tell you something? And I just want, I just want to... I want to encourage you. One of the greatest things that begins to happen in hindering you and using your gift is actually being exposed to unhealthy relationships that then hurt you and wound you, and you just pull back. You pull back and you go, hey, how are you doing? You just stay right there. I'm going to be real cordial because I know how to be kind. I'm going to shake your hand. I'm going to wave. I'm going to smile. You're going to stay right there. That was, that's exactly what the enemy would want because now what happens is you don't walk in the fullness of how God designed you and in turn use the way he wired you and gifted you to be a blessing to others and bring honor and glory to him. You see, so we have to walk in relational health. How do we do that? First Peter chapter 4. Let's look. Let me give you a little context. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of challenges going on, a lot of persecution. In fact, it was so bad in verse 7, just before we get here, Peter actually says, the end is near, we need to, we need to pray more. He's basically taking a page from Jesus' playbook. When it got bad, what did Jesus do? He went and prayed. And he said, and, and I don't think Peter was talking about like a time frame, like the end of the world. He was talking about the season they were in, the end is near. Now, I will say this. There's nothing wrong. I mean, there's never been a bad time to go. Is the end near? I mean, in the early church, the disciples were going, the end is near. I mean, they've been thinking since Jesus went to be at the right hand of the Father, everyone's been thinking the end is near, the end is near. I don't think that's the right really question. That question doesn't even really matter. The truth is, in the season we're at, in the timeline of history that you live, the question is, what do I do now? That's the question we're trying to answer. That's the question we need to answer so that that way we can walk in the fullness of who God's called us to be. So Peter's writing here, and here's what he says in verse 8, above all, love each other deeply. Above all, okay, circle that in your Bible, underline that in your Bible, highlight it, take a picture of it, blow it up, make a, whatever you want to do. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Again, what's he doing? Peter is referencing really what Jesus modeled for him. Matthew 22. He basically sums it up. Jesus says what? Above all else, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Above all, love. Can I tell you something? We, this would help us. We need this now more than ever in our society and in our world today. Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sin. It gives grace when someone maybe flies off the handle or says something maybe they shouldn't. And rather than you coming back with stats and why you think this, that, or the other, you go, whoa, whoa, whoa time out, time out. I'm going to, above all, I'm going to love. And then he says, look, what are you, you going to do? Here's what I want you to do. Be, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Don't do it with complaining. Be hospitable. Be honoring. He goes on and says in verse, uh, verse 
10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Each of you have a gift. You've received it. And why are you using it? Not for your recognition. Not for your name. Not so you get notoriety. To do what? To serve other people. That's why you got the gift you got. Well, you go, well, Pastor Chris, I don't really like the gift I got. Well, you can take that up with Jesus. You can ask him when you see him one day, why are you giving me that gift? Why didn't I get that gift? We're going to talk about that in just a little bit and unpack that a little bit. But use it to serve as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I love what the New King James Version, that translation says. Let's look at it right here. Same verse, chapter 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. That word manifold. Same word used in Ephesians 3, manifold, multifaceted. It's like a rainbow, but don't think of the rainbow like that you draw or your kids draw where the lines are perfect and you just kind of shade it in. It looks great. No, when you think about a rainbow, how is a rainbow created? It is when water, when mist, when there's condensation in the air and sunlight, light pushes and penetrates through. And it, what does it do? It creates a prism of this multifaceted, multicolored aspect of, of God's creation, really bringing glory to him. That is what he's saying your gifts should be like. All of your gifts are like this multifaceted. You come together and all of these gifts come together. They bring glory to God. And it's you operating in the grace in which he has designed you. Verse 11. And this is again kind of even a throwback to what we read in Romans 12 last week. Now he again, he lists some of these gifts. And he doesn't just list the gifts. He also lists how you should operate in the gifts. If anyone speaks... They should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You see, when you think about this, he's, he's dialing into this aspect and this component of relationship. Think about relationships yourself. Think about the progression of relationships. You can start as a child, and you think about a child when a newborn, you, you have these phases of relationships and how they grow, and, and how you hope they grow as they become infants, to children, to teenagers, to then adults, young adults, then adults. And there's this process. You look at it, right? You start out, they start out dependent, right? Dependency is that they can't do anything for themselves. Then you start out codependent, something that someone should be able to do for themselves, they really rely on other people, right? So, so as children, it's dependent, codependency, then they become independent, and then you want them to become interdependent. Well, that makes sense when you look in the context of a child growing, but here's the truth. As individuals and as adults, we have to understand that aspect of life as well. Can I tell you something? There are still grown adults that are dependent. They haven't moved relationally. They, they tend to manipulate Right. And it, it, they, they should be doing things, but they kind of push off responsibility. You have codependent relationships, people who, that are looking and they should be doing for themselves. But they're trying to find that fulfillment in someone else, that worth in someone else. Well, then you have independence, which you think, OK, that's that's good. Independent. They're a self-starter. They're making things happen. But here's the danger of just camping out in any one place, especially in independence. Because you can get things done, you then become self-reliant. Well, that's not the key because really the goal would be interdependent. 
You want to know why? Because that is a giving and receiving in relationship. It's the same example of the grace from Romans 12. Remember what is grace? Grace gifts. You never see gift without grace. We just read grace again. This grace that God gives. It's a giving and receiving. That's how you should operate within relationships. There's a giving and receiving. So how do we do that? How do we get there? How, how do we understand these things. Well, I think before we get there, we have to understand there's two areas that we got to get right if we're going to see how our gifts and discovering our gifts help us relationally. The, the, the two areas we got to get right are, are these two ships that we have to steer correctly. It's our relationship and our stewardship. Our relationships and how we interact with people and, and that there's healthy relationships because you may not have healthy relationships. And you may not be real kind or, or you may be a little more matter of fact and you're really not fun to be around, but you actually have the gift of serving. Well, the challenge is you may have the gift of serving, but no one to serve because no one wants to be around you. That's a problem because you miss out on the gift and operating in it and feeling and experiencing the fulfillment of operating in how God designed you. But then other people miss out on your gift because it really is a gift to other people and how you serve. But then there's stewardship. You see, God gave you a gift. And much of the time when you think of stewardship, you think of money. But there's a gift that God gave you. Are you stewarding the gift that God's put in you? I love how Paul talked to Timothy about that gift. He, he would tell him, guard the deposit, the gift that's inside of you. In fact, he even used this example of fan into the flame, the gift in, inside of you. Well, guess what? If you're going to get a flame growing, you better give it some oxygen. You better fan it. You better work it so it grows into the fullness. You have to steward your relationships and you have to steward the gift itself. And when you do that, you begin to walk in a greater measure of discovering your design. So how does our relationships, how does that impact? How does discovering our design impact our relationships? I'm, I'm going to give you a couple of reasons. I want to kind of help connect the dot the dots, a couple of becauses that will help you. First is this, because your gift doesn't make you relationally healthy. Well, why does discovering your gift help your relationship? Because you got to understand that your gift doesn't make you healthy. Can I tell you something? The most gifted people are not always the most healthy people. It's true. It, it, your gift does not equal maturity. What did he say in verse 8, above all, love deeply. Love de Above all, when you don't agree where someone's coming from, love all. When you don't understand how they're being impacted by, by the injustice that's going on, love all. Whether they're wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, and you agree or don't agree, or they caused a spike or didn't cause a spike, or whatever, whatever can I love all. Above all, love all. We would help ourselves a lot. If we just did this, and rather than sharing our preference, sharing our perspective, and thinking that we have it all figured out, because really we process information dependent on our perspective and our preference, if we would go to God's Word who said, above all, because remember what Peter's talking about, relationships, interaction. He's saying, love all. Because in the Bible, maturity and health is not dictated by what we think. Well, we think it's success and wealth and, and job status. The Bible says, no, it's actually maturity is really it's about servanthood. It's about wisdom. It's about humility. It's about asking for forgiveness. It's about repenting quickly. That's what it looks like in the Bible, because your gift does not equal maturity. 
And what begins to happen is when you recognize that, you begin to walk in the fullness of pursuing health. And the truth is, you have to bring your health emotionally and spiritually, pursuing health, not perfection. That's what I'm talking about, progress. Not perfection. I'm talking about progress. You have to bring your health to your gift. I think of our teams when we do events like Serve Day or different things like that, and we start talking about who could lead an area. There's always a few couples that come up, and I think about one couple in particular, and it's the Myers. And I love these guys. In fact, you may have even seen Danny when you were walking in here because he was holding the door greeting you, okay? What I love about this story is Lauren was invited. His wife was invited a few years ago to a women's event. She gave her life to the Lord. She starts bringing Danny. Danny comes. He gives his life to the Lord. Now they're so involved, serving to the point where their oldest, Kaylin, she serves in the back on a Sunday morning, serving kids, tending to kids, helping out. And this is what I love. It's not about perfection. What they do, the reason everyone's like, oh, I want them to lead. I want them to lead. I want them to be a part. I want them to be on my team. You want to know why? Because of their life giving. And whatever they put their hand to, they bring their health to the area. Not perfection. They bring their health to the area in which they're serving. And here's what I love about it. I love it because they also have a little boy named Lucas. And I guarantee at some point, he's gonna be, there have been time when Danny is greeting. And guess what? Lucas is right there with him holding the door. Because we believe that it's generational in what God has called us to do. Can I tell you something? You can't give your gifts to your kids. They're not going to like what you like all the time. But I'll tell you what you can give them. You can give them relational health. You can, you can help them learn what does it look like to have healthy relationships and be life-giving. And bring that health to the area that you serve in. And they're a great example of that. Here's the second thing. Here's the second thing I want you to get is because comparing yourself to others or blaming other people won't help you discover your gift. Verse 9 says, offer hospitality without grumbling. You all know people that have offered hospitality, but it seems like they grumble the whole time. Can I tell you something? Don't be a victim. Own it. Start where you're at. If you've got to apologize for something, apologize. I'm not talking about you owning something you didn't do. But listen, lead with repentance. Lead, set the example. You can do those things. And I'm just telling you, if you look in the marketplace, for those of you business leaders, or you're in business, you're serving in an area, can I tell you, this is about having the right heart and the right spirit about what you do. Can I tell you something? If you're life-giving, and, and, and you are, are one who is always bringing the right perspective to the area you work, you'll never lack for a job. You, you won't. In fact, here's what's amazing is oftentimes when you start serving and you're using your gift, sometimes your vocation lines up with it. So the things you learn in your vocation, you end up bringing and they're a blessing here. But then the things you learn here and in the word of God, guess what? They end up being a blessing in your vocation. They're like, I need more of you. I need more of you. I need more of you. Because it's not about you comparing your gift to someone else and wishing this or wishing that. It's not about being negative and always coming down. It's this, it's this symbiotic relationship of you growing and understanding. God wired you and designed you in a unique way. And complaining or comparing. Can I tell you something? Comparison doesn't end when you graduate high school. There's a reason why the phrase keeping up with the Joneses is a phrase. Because as grown adults, we do the same. We look at someone else and we wish had that, wish I had that, wish I looked like that, wish I was there. How come? What about me? 
you're missing out on discovering your gift and walking in the fullness of who God's called you to be. I think of a, a, of a, a lady who is just amazing. Her name is Paris. She has the biggest smile. Every time you see that smile, I love that big old smile. Even now, like you can't, she, she wears a mask, so you can't see that smile, but you can see her mask kind of lift up because her cheeks lift up, right? It's awesome. She's a single grandma. She's not even a single mom. Raising her grandkids. And can I tell you something here? Every week, serving. Not, not just serving with her kids or with her grandkids. And not just serving and operating in the gift that God's called her to have and giving glory to him, but serving you. You may have children in the back. Can I tell you something? This last service, at the first service, she's back there tending to other people's kids, loving on them. She's not worried about, oh, this is what my life looks like, or oh, how come that? She's like, hey, I'm just happy. Lord's giving me a gift. Here's what I'm going to do. She's an educator. She loves it. And she's such a blessing because she's going, I'm going to come and I'm going to not only bring my gift, but I'm going to bring my grandkids along. Can I tell you something? It's the same thing. Her grandson was this uh, greeting at the first service and her other grandson was back there helping lead worship for the kids and milestone kids. Because it's generational. She's not worried about anyone else or what everyone else is doing. She's dialed into the gift God's given her. And she's going, I'm going to bring that And because of that, I'm going to grow because I see it's not about comparing. It's about the relationships that I have with other people. And in doing so, I use that gift to bring glory to God and serve other people. Here's the third thing. Because self-indulgence will keep you from growing your gift. Verse 10 says, use whatever gift you have to serve others. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. But I think we live in a season where self-indulgence really is on the rise. You don't, we don't realize it. Think about it. We, we live for the weekend. We live for vacation. We want to go here. We want to go there. And don't hear it. Like I said, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm a big fan of vacation. Okay. I grew up in Austin, Texas. I was at the lake all the time. I found out a buddy of mine's got a boat at Lake Louisville. Guess what? I'm already got him on speed dial, bro. We heading to the lake. Let's go. You know, they always say, you don't need to buy a boat. Just have a friend who has a boat. You know, I love being at the lake, okay? I like a good vacation like the best. I like the rest of you, okay? I, I'm all about it. But when it's all about me, 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 then we miss out. This gift that God gave you, you miss out on being able to serve other people. It goes back to the interdependent, the interdependency I was talking about. There's a gift. What happened? It's a healthy aspect of me giving and receiving. Giving and receiving in the way God wired and designed me. You see, when you begin to do that, what happens is you find the fulfillment of what God's called you to do. And again, the church is an opportunity for you to not just learn everything about your gift, but an opportunity and environment like we talked about last week for you to grow in it. And you may be going, well, Pastor Chris, this is just kind of a plug for more volunteers. No, it's. I, it's, I'm telling this to you for your benefit. Because as you grow in it, as you walk in that, and as you experience that, then you begin to feel the fullness of how God wired you and designed you. I think of, a, I think of an individual who, every time I see him, I'm sure he's had bad days, but I always got a smile, and he's a hugger too. He's he going to hug you. It's been a real tough season for him. He can't hug, can't hug. I can tell him too. He's itching. He'll come up to me. He'll stand right next to me. He's like... He's, he's leaning in. He's like, you ready for the hug, you know? And, and he served, he and his family. Again, 
here's what's amazing, even as I tell this story. Every single one of these, I didn't plan it this way. It's all generational in, in, in them walking in their gifting. His name's John. And John is, see, even smile. I mean, look at that smile. It's a million-dollar smile. He's smiling. And, and he's served in multiple different areas, but he, he also plays an instrument, which I actually didn't realize. And so he's become a part of our worship team, and, and he hasn't yet been on the platform yet, but he's been here and been a part, even as we started rehearsing, as we started acclimating into this new season. And so it, he was just like, I just want to be here. I'm here. He gets here early. He's a part. Now he's even doing, because he just wants to be a part. He, he could serve in any other area. Now he's up there. He's, he's making sure you can see me. He's running lights up there because he's like, I just want to be a part. Listen, he's a successful businessman. He's done many great things. He could be doing anything. You know what he's doing? He's in the shadows, not up here on the platform, moving a slider, making sure the lights are on so you can see me. Because he's going, I'm not worried about me. I'm thinking about someone else. And can I tell you something? Then you see it in his wife when she greets and her, his kids when they're in the back. Because guess what? They're in the back serving their own generation of milestone kids as well. That's what happens when you discover your gift and you walk in it. Because then here's the fourth thing that you learn about relationships as you do this. You find that your gift finds its greatest expression in connection with other people. Your gift finds the greatest expression in connection with other people. Faithful stewards of God's grace is what Peter said in verse 10. Will you be a faithful steward? Faithful steward of God's grace. You see, there's so much going on in the world today. There's a lot of things, a lot of chaos, a lot of conversations. But the question is, what do we do? Well, here's what we do. As we stay connected to one another, as we build relationally, you begin to realize that for us, a, 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 a value, and you'll hear about it. If you're going to be a one-on-one or two-on-one, I love teaching one-on-one, two-on-one, because it's just like you just talk about your life, your values, the things you're passionate about. We're in everyone church. And when you think about everyone that I just mentioned, all these people that have shared and been a part, why do they do that? You want to know why they do that? Why do we say we're in everyone church? Because everyone has a gift. They have something they can contribute. They have something they bring. And why do they do it? Not for recognition. Not for a name. Not because one is greater than the other. It's so that people meet Jesus. They hold the door so people meet Jesus. They tend to other people's children so that people meet Jesus. They lead small groups and they serve and they move faders and they sing songs and they play chords so that other people can meet Jesus, because God gave you a gift, wired you and designed you. Take whatever gift and use it to serve other people. 